from mundane to mysteries. Hi everyone, welcome to episode one of Mundane to Miss. My name is Natalie Newar. I also run a blog under the same name. You can find me on Blogger, check me out on Google. I am a lifestyle BDSM dominant. I've been involved in the local community for over 10 years now. I love giving advice almost as much as I love giving spankings. And I also love helping new people um, in the community figure out what sort of kinks and fetishes they have. I always tell everyone I have a lot of experience, but I'm no expert. So I love learning almost as much as I love teaching everyone else things that I've learned along the way. On today's episode, we're going to go over the 50 shades effect and how to stay safe in the local community. We're going to find out if there's a difference between kinky and freaky. And we're going to answer one question um, of the day. We'll call it the kinky question of the day. So let's get started. First things first, um, everyone's pretty much been talking about or know someone who has read or, you know, wanted to read Fifty Shades of Grey. They've made a movie out of it. It's fairly popular. Personally, I wasn't really into it. I don't know if that's because I actually do lead the BDSM lifestyle. <laughs> so reading about it was a little odd and I felt a lot of things were exaggerated, but that's a whole nother podcast. What we have noticed locally in the scene is that many people who read the book or seen the movie have become interested in BDSM, which is always awesome. It's always good to free yourself and to experience new things in your sexuality. What's not cool about it is that a lot of people coming into the scene don't know how to stay safe. A lot of the things that they see in the movie or they've read in the book are not necessarily realistic and it's a little frightening when I see new people come into the scene and they're trying a lot of new things that they don't know much about and they're sort of opening themselves up for the possibility of getting hurt. Some of the things you might hear if you are new or if you're a veteran in the scene, you might have heard the acronyms SSC or RAC. RAC. Those things respectively stand for safe protocols within the BDSM community. SSE stands for safe, sane, and consensual. That essentially means that everyone participating is of sound mind, they've all agreed to play together, and that it's consensual between adults. RAC means risk, awareness, consensual kink. Sometimes people use that term a little bit more when they're doing um, play that would be considered heavy play or risky play. Um, that sort of thing would be like suspension or heavy bondage or um, heavy beating on someone or even things like knife play, etc. Um, both terms mean that we want to stay safe in the community and we want to make sure that people in our community stay safe. Uh, I haven't really heard too much argument on which is better, um, which people follow more. For me, I think the terms are respectively the same. They just come from two different perspectives. They both open themselves up to interpretation based on who you are and how it applies to you. I think that RAC really does acknowledge the difference between the individual's view of what's safe because honestly, nothing you do in BDSM is safe. It really isn't. Um, no one is an expert in how to beat someone or choke someone or tie someone up or do any of the other things that might be considered kinky. They're all risky. Everything you do in a dungeon or in your bedroom that involves some sort of form of kinky or BDSM play is considered risky to me. So that's why I prefer the term rack over SSC because I like everyone to know everything involved is kinky. Um, it's, it's risky. It's kinky. It's risky. You know, be careful. Watch yourself. So I sort of 
veer to the side of following rack more closely. Um, but as I said, there's no real difference in either. Both terms adequately put across the most fundamental ideas that the play that you're engaging in is considered um, consensual between both parties. You both are taking all the precautions necessary for the type of activity that you're doing. And I think the most important thing is that you guys are trying to be as safe as you can. Um, you just need to make sure to ask questions and find out what's really going on with the play that you're doing. If you're new to the scene and someone wants to tie you up and you've always wanted to be tied up, that's awesome. But you should probably find out how much experience the person who wants to tie you has. Ask them things like, do they have anyone who can vouch for them that they're able to tie? You can even ask for pictures um, to see if they've tied other people. And if you're unable to do those things or maybe you forgot or you just felt like you didn't want to ask those questions, um, be sure to tell them of any sort of medical problems you have. If you have a bum knee or you get pains in your shoulders or you're not very flexible or you have heart or breathing problems such as asthma or a pacemaker or anything like that, you want to always tell the person you're playing with about your medical history. Now, I don't mean going out and sharing every single thing like I had chickenpox when I was eight. No one cares about that. But if you do have a metal rod somewhere in your lower extremities or you have a sort of trick elbow, anything. You want to tell someone because once you start playing, if they put pressure on the wrong points, it could be very harmful to you. Um, I've seen people end up in the ER over just, you know, the craziest things. I've seen people lose nerves, you know, they have nerve damage in their fingertips because they didn't want to tell the person tying them up, hey, my hand hurts or it's tingling or I can't feel something because they really wanted to be a good um, sort of rope bottom or they wanted to just be a good person to play with. And that's the best person you can be to play with is somebody who's going to shout from the rooftops like, I'm not okay, I need you to stop. Um, and that's sort of what people are worried about with the local inflood of newbies coming into the BDSM scene, which we've all nicknamed the Fifty Shades effect. There's a lot of new people who are interested in BDSM who either they were interested in it for a long time and this just sparked it or they never knew they were interested in it and it sparked it. Either way, they're all coming into the local scene and honestly, they don't have an idea at all of what they're doing. And that is okay. We've all been newbies at one point in another. The main thing is that they stay safe and that's not just in regards to the sort of play that I was mentioning. Being safe doesn't mean just telling your partner, hey, my hands feel funny or, you know, my shoulder hurts or anything that, like that. It also goes into um, using your common sense. If you meet someone and they want to play with you and you get a weird vibe from them, don't play with them. Always follow your gut instincts. Um, it's very easy for predators within the scene, and there are a lot. Um, it's very easy for them to sort of pick out these new people who are coming in from the Fifty Shades effect and sort of um, leading them astray and also, you know, just using them and abusing them in not the proper way, um, not a consensual way. Uh, everyone likes to be used and abused, right? But consensually is what I mean. Um, you want to know what you're doing and you want to know who you're doing it with. And it's a big responsibility for you to express how you're feeling when you are playing with someone and also to know that they understand how you're feeling. 
I would never play with someone who didn't ask me if I had any health problems within like the first five minutes of us negotiating a scene. I probably wouldn't play with that person. Now, me personally, I'll throw that out there. I'll tell them if I have an issue and I'll also ask them if they have any issues because even if you are in the dominant position such as myself, it's nice to tell people like, well, I can't lift more than this weight or you know, using these sort of instruments is not really my thing, etc. It's it's good to explain these things to people. Um, and it all goes back to just being safe, you know, just having an awareness of the sort of activities that you're participating in. Again, just so everyone knows where they are. Um, I'm sorry, I say this all the time, but getting consent is the most sexy thing you will ever do in BDSM. I love getting consent from people. That gives me a lady boner. Mainstream society encourages people to simply take action and it just pushes the idea that making assumptions about what your partner wants and where they are, um, it sort of makes you suave and sexy, like, you know, but that's, that's not how it is in BDSM. On paper, many people will say, oh yeah, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that, but in reality, it it might feel a little bit awkward trying to talk to someone about what your limits are and you shouldn't feel awkward. Do not think like that. Do not be afraid to be totally open and honest with whoever you're playing with and set boundaries. That's another thing you want to set boundaries. You want to say, I'm not okay with this and I'm not okay with that, but I might be willing to try this and that. Um, and that's important to discuss before you start playing because once you're tied up or maybe your hands aren't free or you can't use your mouth for whatever reason, it might be hard to say, hey, this is not what I wanted. So make sure to take that moment before a scene actually happens to check with your partner and figure out where the comfort level lies between the both of them. Um, I think it really shows that you care about what you're doing and also it lets you know that your partner cares um, what they're doing to you. So... Be safe out there, new people <laughs> coming into the BDSM scene, whether it's from Fifty Shades or not. Um, maybe a friend told you about, you know, getting kinky and you thought, hey, that sounds good. Or maybe you stumble upon it online. It doesn't matter when you really are going to play with someone. Really, 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 really be safe, okay? Just really be safe. So make sure you have a grasp of where your partner stands on it and where you stand on it. If you don't know what limits you have, look online, find that out. It won't be hard. Um, usually my rule is if I haven't tried it, I need to learn about it before I want to try it. So uh, whether you choose to do SSC or RAC, R-A-C, just be sure to communicate where you stand with whoever you play with as well. Our next topic is whether there's a difference between being kinky and being freaky. Um... I read a lot of news. I'm a news junkie. I also love finding things out about kinky happenings. So often I'll look online and see what sort of things I can find out. And last year I seemed to notice that there was an influx overseas um, with the local authorities having to come rescue people. Again, this is sort of the Fifty Shades effect. <laughs> After reading Fifty Shades of Grey, a lot of people start trying things at home and yay for home kink but no for not being smart about it. <laughs> um, I read several stories where there was a man who got his penis stuck in a toaster. There was a man with his arm stuck in a, like, porter potty. Um, <laughs> there was, there was someone who had a test tube stuck on their finger. These are all things that people, you know, from the local authorities to, like, you know, medical professionals had to intervene and help 
them out. And it was a funny thing because the London Fire Brigade actually tweeted, you know, there's a serious side to this. When we're cutting rings from penises and fingers, we're unavailable for real emergencies. Hashtag 50 shades of red. And I agree with that. You know, one, again, it's back to being safe. Even if you're alone, you know, you want to be as safe as you can. Um, so are those people kinky or are they freaky? Um, there's been a lot of talk on what the difference is between being kinky and being freaky. And for me, I really think that, um, I don't know if anyone's heard this, but I heard the phrase when I first got into the scene that kinky is using a feather. Freaky is using the whole chicken. (laughs) And, um, I've always kept that in the back of my mind. Like, am I kinky or am I freaky? But I really think at the end of the day, it's semantics. It's just about the way you use it. Sometimes I say, I'm going to get my freak on. Um, And sometimes I say, you know, I'm feeling extra kinky tonight. And those to me, in my mind, don't mean different things. They both mean like I'm expressing my sexuality. I'm going to go out and explore. You know, I'm going to do what I'm comfortable with. And that's really, to me, what it comes down with at the end of the day is that there isn't a difference between being kinky and being freaky. There's subsets of each. I think they overlap greatly. I think it's about, you know, a terminology and it comes down to semantics. Um, some people might think some of the things I do are freaky. Um, breath play, knife play, heavy bondage, um, suspension, you know, study play, any of that sort of things, you know, those sort of things, they might, people might be like, oh my God, she's really freaking freaky. But for me, I feel like, no, that's just me being kinky. I see people in the scene and at dungeon parties that I go to all the time who I think, oh my gosh, wow, they're doing some really heavy things that I wouldn't really do. Man, they're getting crazy freaky. And in my mind, I'm not really thinking like that's a bad thing. Um, but I use the two interchangeably. And again, it's, it's really a state of mind. It's like, if you want to call it kinky, you can, if you want to call it freaky, you can, don't worry about what other people are calling it. It's, it's okay. You can, you can call it whatever you want. So, um, that's an age old argument that I thought I would put to rest today, that there is no, no difference between being kinky and being freaky. They're both good. They both allow people to express themselves, and as long as they are not hurting anyone, um, what does it really matter what it's called? So let's go ahead, we'll take a break, and we'll be back with our kinky question of the day. Welcome back. So, as promised, we have our first kinky question of the day, and I have my good friend Jean here to read the kinky question of the day. Hi, hi. Alright, this question comes from Cyan in Georgia, USA. Hello! Recently, my fiancé and I decided to build a playroom in our house. We've discovered that I am way more dominant than him, and he is actually quite the masochist. He is the only sexual partner I've ever had, and I don't have any experience in what to call him during play. He calls me mistress and other female dominant pronouns, and when he dominates me, I call him master and lord. 
but I still don't know what to call him that shows my dominance while still having a seductive effect on him. So, what can I call my mascus fiance when dominating him? Thank you, Jean. Let's figure out what can you call your masochistic fiance while dominating him? Well, let's see. I actually get this question a lot. Um, and I always say that there are no real parameters within this realm of what you can and can't call someone uh, while you're playing with them. You can honestly call your fiance whatever you want, um, as long as he's comfortable with that. And, uh, the way I sort of got into it when I first started playing, cause I wanted to sound, you know, super dommy dom and wanted to make sure I was calling people, you know, names that would get their attention. Um, I would think of different names or things that I could call people and I would practice them in front of a mirror in the morning. You can do this while you're getting dressed, while you're brushing your teeth. Um, <laughs> just look in the mirror and give your most dommy dom look that you, you know, hope to convey while you're playing with your fiance and sort of practice the names that you want to call him. My key factor was that if I couldn't say it in the mirror with a straight face, <laughs> probably not the name I want to be calling um, the person that I was playing with. So that was that was my marker. Um, if you're looking for specific ideas on what can show your dominance but still entice him, a few of my favorite things are um, you can refer to him as pet. Um... I love calling my submissives pets and toys, um, boy toys. Um, you can call him good boy or bad boy. If he's being bad, you can call him bad boy. It's kind of interesting to sort of watch a male um, be told he's being a bad or a good boy because the reactions um, between the two are very distinct. And um, they usually react you know, to it in sort of a physical way. So I've noticed that when I tell my boy he's a good boy, he's done something good, he sort of gets, you know, very proud looking. He puffs out his chest and um, I can tell it makes him feel good. But in the same respect, when he's done something wrong and I tell him he's been bad, if I'm not being playful about it, um, I can see the remorse on his face. And so those sort of, those sort of terms, good boy, bad boy, can also be a trigger for sort of childhood antics um it might put them in a little bit of a state of a mind of hey i need to listen because i'm back in a space in my head where you know i'm smaller than this person who's talking to me um you can even try really cutesy pet names if you want like honey and darling and baby and um those sort of things if if that's something that you want to do i found that those sort of names seem a little condescending during play so they kind of again put them in that place of wait why am I being called honey or baby or sweetie or whatever um you know or angel or any sort of thing a more anything you can think of really works here um and if you say it in the right tone you can usually get someone to react the way you want them to react. So, um, Cyan, don't be afraid to sort of play with this a little bit and figure out which names work for you. Um, I've given you some ideas of some names that you can say that most people probably wouldn't notice if you guys say them to each other. Like, if you're out in public and you're into that, um sort of being like telling him he's a good boy and patting him on the back. If you're looking for something a little more demeaning, you can always call him, you know, like I said, like your toy or your plaything. Um always try and bring the focus back to yourself. Calling even simply calling him mine 
or like he's yours, like you're mine. Um, even that sort of triggers a little bit of something in the submissive partner who might be being called those things. So um, above all else, don't be afraid to have fun with whatever you end up calling your fiance. Um, congratulations on you guys building a playroom in your house. That's awesome. I hope that you guys are going to have fun with it. I hope that you guys are going to be safe with it. Um, don't end up on Twitter like people who have done crazy things in their houses. Um, and you know, if you want follow up, let us know what you ended up calling your fiance. Let us know how he responded. Practice in the mirror. And again, you know, things like honey baby, sweetie pie, baby dolls might make you laugh when you're in the mirror. Um, but you know, calling him other things might not. So just find out what works for you. Let us know. I hope it works out. Congratulations on the playroom. Be safe, be sane, be consensual. Um, I think that's all for today, folks. Uh, again, you can find my blog at mundane to miss. That's M U N D A N E T O ms at blogspot.com that's b-l-o-g-s-p-o-t.com don't worry i will put the links somewhere for you guys to find you can also find me on all experts if you have a question you'd like for me to answer in my next episode please feel free to write me that's all experts e-x-p-e-r-t-s.com go there get into the people and relationships section Go to BDSM, search for Natalie Noir, that's N-A-T-A-L-I, Noir, N-O-I-R. <laughs> Send me a question. Nothing's too crazy, nothing's too stupid, um, nothing's too raunchy. I've gotten some really crazy questions from you guys, and I love answering each one of them. So I hope to see you guys next week on episode two. We'll be talking about the different roles in kink and how they're defined. We'll also be going over the best and worst sites to meet people um, if you're just getting into the lifestyle or you might have been into lifestyle for a long time and just don't know where to find people besides munches and things like that. I also go over the pros and cons of each of the websites with you and I will take another kinky question of the day. I hope to see you guys next week. Thanks so much for tuning in. Have a good night. Have a good morning. Peace out, guys. From mountain to mystery.